consider one verse this afternoon, Colossians chapter 2. One verse, specifically one word in Colossians chapter 2. I will read from verse 1 since it's been a week since we've um, considered Colossians. This is the word of the Lord. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. And for those who are in Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself, and for our time today, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. May God add blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Again, we will consider verse 3 specifically one word, which is wisdom. How is Christ the wisdom and knowledge of God? This afternoon, we're going to look at more so a the, the theological and the doctrinal um, thoughts behind wisdom and Christ being the wisdom of God. Next time we're together... We will open up wisdom itself and what the gift of wisdom does for us. The reason why um, is because Paul is going to uh, now go into some of the heresies and errors that were entering the, the church at Colossae, uh, specifically vain philosophy. Uh, anytime for myself I have an opportunity to speak on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, which I believe have been uh, misunderstood and abused um, and we can say the popular Christian church, uh, then I'm going to take the opportunity to do so. So we'll talk about wisdom, how it relates to Christ today, um, and then next time we're together we'll consider wisdom and the gift of the Holy Spirit and what wisdom does for us. First we want to consider though wisdom itself. Is it proper to call Christ the wisdom of God? Is it proper to call Christ the wisdom of God? <clears throat> we must first consider what wisdom is. We first must consider what wisdom is. In our day and age, there is a big emphasis on knowledge, rightfully so. Knowledge is helpful. But there is a decline when we talk about the gift of wisdom. The gift of wisdom, saints of God, has a, a array of meanings. To the philosopher Aristotle, wisdom is knowledge of first principles. Knowledge of first principles. In other words, to Aristotle, to be wise is to be able to answer the question why. To answer the question why. Going back to the first principles or the cause of all things. For example, if one was to ask, and saints of God, I will say this, much of what I'm going to say, you already know by experience. If one was to ask, why or how does this milk or how did this milk get here? If you're at a grocery store and someone asks you, maybe your your child or little one asks you, mommy or daddy, how does this milk get to this store? There's many ways we can answer that. But Aristotle says the wise person will answer according to the milk's first principles or rather cause. What's the cause of milk? A cow. Aristotle says, you are a wise person. 
you know the answer of why. And this type of thinking, Aristotle says, is a virtue. It's something that you acquire and that you must arrange your life in light of. So for Aristotle, wisdom is not just merely knowing the why of something, but also arranging your life according to the why. This type of thinking, saints, or as when we come to the question of wisdom in the theological sense, not in the philosophical sense, but in the theological sense, what theologians did was they took Aristotle's definition and essentially they Christianized it. They said that is right and correct, but also we must take into account what the word of God says concerning wisdom. That is to say, theologians then use philosophy as a handmaiden to understand what the word of God says concerning wisdom. Thomas Aquinas says, since wisdom is knowledge of divine things, it is considered by us theologians in one way and in another way by philosophers. So then wisdom then is considered in one way by philosophers. They have a, their own definition for it. But theologians, those who know God and study God, they understand wisdom in another way. To St. Thomas, wisdom, in the way the philosophers use it, or rather understand it, it's one form of wisdom. That is wisdom, he says. But it's not the highest form of wisdom. Again, what Aristotle says concerning wisdom, that's one form of wisdom. But Thomas says, and the word of God says, but that's not the highest form of wisdom. The wisdom that is offered by theology, that the word of God presents to us, is a higher form of wisdom since it has truths inaccessible to natural reason. Again, the wisdom that you have, if you have the Holy Spirit, saints of God, indwelling within you, here's the great news, you have the gift of wisdom. The wisdom that you have is a higher form of wisdom because the wisdom you have is able to access, or rather, uh, uh, um, no truths that cannot be known by natural reason. That cannot be known by natural reason. In other words, saints, there are certain truths that the natural man, that even Aristotle, cannot have access to. There are truths that the natural man cannot know. The philosophers, Aristotle, could not see the world and say that God is triune. The philosophers Aristotle, the natural man without the spirit of God, can look at the natural world, look at creation itself, and come to the conclusion that they are sinners in need of a savior. The natural man cannot understand the Holy Spirit. They cannot understand the workings of divine grace. They can't understand the nature of sin, the angels, the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. The natural man, philosophers, can't come to these supernatural truths. So then what is wisdom in the Christian sense? What is wisdom? The answer is twofold. Wisdom is both speculative and also practical. Wisdom is both speculative and practical. St. Augustine says, the knowledge of divine things may be properly called wisdom. The knowledge of divine things may probably call the wisdom. In other words, saints of God, what it means to be wise is to know what God knows. What it means to be wise is to know what God knows. 
And it's not merely just saying the facts of knowledge, that God exists, but rather the why of knowledge, the why of knowledge. And this knowledge of divine things congregation is a higher and greater science than the wisdom that the philosophers present. When I say the why of what's of God, what I'm saying is you're able to look at a situation and you're able to see and say to yourself that God works all things together for good for those who love him. You're able to look at a situation through the lens of God and not through the lens of your own reason, not through the lens of what you think, but rather what God says in his word. That is the wise person, according to theologians. This wisdom, then, is a higher and greater science than the wisdom of the philosophers. In fact, Thomas Aquinas says, from the very fact that wisdom as a gift is a more excellent than the wisdom as an intellectual virtue. In other words, the wisdom that you get from the Holy Spirit is far greater than the wisdom that you can acquire. Since it attains to God more intimately by a kind of union of the soul with him, it is able to direct us not only in contemplation, but also in action. Saints of God, the wisdom of God, then, is a gift from God. For the Holy Spirit, he raises your minds to rise above the natural reasoning, to think and to know supernatural truths, but also to know why, the why of supernatural truths. James 3.17, but the wisdom from above is first pure. Proverbs 3.13-18, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain of her is better than the gain from silver, and her profit is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and, and nothing you desire can compare to her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways, her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Saints of God, Pastor Antonio said this morning we're going to teach our little ones about the reality of hell, and surely we are. And also we are to teach our little ones the great gift of wisdom. Because the proverb says here, wisdom is greater than all the money in the world. Wisdom is greater than all the money in the world. One theologian says beautifully, it is evident, therefore, that the knowledge given by the gift of wisdom is incomparably superior to all human sciences, even, and hear this, even theology. For that reason, and this is a quote that I just was stunned by. For that reason, a simple and uneducated soul, lacking the theological knowledge acquired by study, meaning those theologians who sit and just read all their books and all that, by study may sometimes possess through the gift of wisdom a more profound knowledge of divine things than an eminent theologian. Meaning a wise person who's never studied the word of, who never studies all of what theologians have said concerning every area of theology, the wise person has an upper hand in those people. The wise person has an upper hand. Then he says, souls that experience this will understand very well the meaning of the words, taste and see how God the Lord is. Psalm 34, 9. They experience a divine delight that sometimes enables them to know something 
of the ineffable joy and eternal beatitude? How are they able, how, how is the gift of wisdom greater than one who studies all of what theologians have said in time? Here's the reason why. The second aspect, because wisdom is also practical. Wisdom is practical. Wisdom is not merely just knowing the why of something, but it's also living your life in light of the why. That's the true wise person. Based off of divine truths that we know, we are able to then judge and order our lives according to those divine truths. That's what wisdom is. Is, is you knowing what God says, but also you're able to make right judgments based off what God says. Proverbs 19.20 Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Ephesians 5, 5, 15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as a universe, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time. Because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Matthew 7, 24 to 25. Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. What we see here, saints, is that wisdom, and the Bible tells us, is not merely what you know, but the wise person lives in light of what they know. The wise person lives in light of what they know. It's sort of like when you're, you know, you're, you're a parent and you tell your children, these are the rules of the house. Now that you know the rules of the house, obey them. Live according, live as one who is worthy of living in my house. The wise person then takes serious what God says. They don't just, they don't just study God for God's sake, but rather they study to know God, to know the why behind all of the questions of life, and then they live their life in light of it. So in summary congregation, the gift of wisdom is where knowledge and experience coexist. It's where knowledge and experience are married together. That is why, that is why, saints, the 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 the, the, the wiseness of saint who has never went to seminary, who has never read all of the theological works that has ever been penned can be said to be wiser than the theologian who never puts into action what they read. The gift of wisdom, in other words, saints, is both where we know and where we can act based on what we know. It's a higher form of what the philosophers tell us because it contains higher and loftier things, which are supernatural truths. But also it allows us to live in a more, you could say, humanized way. That we don't live according to the laws of the land, but we live according to what God says in his word. Now, congregation, how does this relate to Jesus Christ then? How does this wisdom relate to Jesus Christ? Is it proper to call Christ the wisdom and knowledge of God? Well, of course, the answer must be yes. It is proper, very proper, to call Christ the wisdom and knowledge of God. Why is it so? Because that's what Scripture says. Scripture identifies Christ as the wisdom of God. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.24, 
but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Here, Paul identifies Christ as the wisdom of God, but we have to ask ourselves, why or how is Christ the wisdom of God? How is Christ the wisdom of God? Well, saints of God, we must remember who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. Scripture identifies the eternal Son of God under many names. But the two names that we know by experience, Scripture tells us Christ is the Word and the wisdom of God. He is the word and wisdom of God. I said this in Sunday Sabbath school, but isn't it such a great condescension by our Lord that he gives us words that we know by ordinary experience and he applies and attributes them to lofty and divine things such as his eternal son. What this means, congregation, then, by calling Jesus Christ the eternal word or wisdom of God, stay with me here because this is the whole argument why we call Christ the wisdom and knowledge or the wisdom and, and the word of God is simply this, is the Father, in knowing himself perfectly, or rather knows himself perfectly, and in knowing himself perfectly, he conceives a word that best captures all of who he is. It's sort of like if I was to ask you, give me a word, that one word that best describes, captures all of who you are without remainder. Would you be able to do it? None of us would. It's impossible for us to speak one word of ourselves that best describes all of who we are. What we're saying is, when Christ is said to be the word of God, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word. When Christ is said to be the word, what we are saying is he is the spoken word of the father's knowledge of himself. He is the spoken word of the Father's knowledge of himself. Again, the Father knows himself, and in knowing himself, he conceives of a word that best describes all of who he is without remainder. What's the word that comes out? The eternal Son of God. The eternal Son of God. This word that the Father speaks is his wisdom. It is his knowledge of himself, who is the eternal Son of God. Thomas Aquinas says now that there is wisdom in God must certainly be said by reason of the fact that God knows himself. Remember, wisdom is knowledge of divine things. Um, who knows divine things better than God himself? So then God must have wisdom, right? We attribute wisdom to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, essentially. But we attribute also wisdom to the Son, uh, specifically. The Son of God is the word and conception of God's understanding himself. Again, Thomas says, the father thinks of himself, loosely speaking, right? And when he thinks of who he is, loosely speaking, he conceives of a word. This word that comes forth from him is the eternal son of God. It follows then that the same word of God was as wisely conceived by the divine mind is properly said to be conceived or begotten wisdom. And so the apostle calls Christ the wisdom of God in 1 Corinthians one twenty four. But the very word of wisdom conceived in the mind is, is a kind of manifestation of wisdom of the one who understands. In other words, saints of God, when you understand something, what is a way or a way in which you can know you understand the thing? By a word. Right? The way in which 
you can understand something, that you show that you understand something is what? By a word, by speaking the word, right? Understanding in your intellect. And then what you understand, right, is said by a word. The word then, the words that you speak then, are a manifestation of what you understand, of what you know. Just like me, I'm preaching things that I know. And I'm using words to convey what's in my mind. Similarly then, similarly then, that's what Aquinas is saying. That the fruit of our understanding is a word. The fruit of our understanding is a word. And then he says, just as in the case of all habits are manifest by their acts. Since then the divine wisdom is called light, the word of the divine wisdom is named the brightness of light. There's a reason why Christ is named the radiance of the Father's glory. Just as you cannot separate brightness from the sun, Jesus Christ is the brightness of the Father. Then he says, thus the apostle speaks of the Son of God, who being the brightness of his glory. Simple term, since wisdom is knowledge of divine things, it is proper to call Christ the wisdom of God. Since the wisdom of the Father's knowledge of himself is the eternal Son of God. Remember, saints, what, what is the manifestation of the knowledge that you have, of, the, of your understanding? It's a word. Well, the manifestation of the knowledge of the Father that he has of himself is his eternal Son, who is his wisdom. Who is his wisdom? We can say that the Father knows better than anyone else who the Father, the, the Son knows better than anyone else who the Father is. Why? Because he is the Father's spoken word. He is the Father's spoken word. This, saints of God, helps us understand a lot of things in Scripture. For instance, Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty seven, 27, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And to anyone whom the Son determines to reveal, how does the Son know the Father? Because he is the spoken word of the Father. John 7, uh, 28-29, Then Jesus, still teaching the temple courts, cried out, You know me, and you know where I'm from. I have not come of my own accord, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him. And he sent me. He's not talking about, and when he says I am from him, not just merely this, this end time coming forth. He's talking about this eternal coming forth. I come forth from my Father, because I am the very word of his understanding. John 10:15. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Here we see Christ has supreme knowledge of the Father because he is the wisdom of the Father. The Son is the Father's knowledge of himself. I'm even letting it, I'm even saving aside even Christ as man. The wisdom that Christ has as man, he's able to participate in the wisdom that he has as the Son. We'll set that aside. Saints, this is the reason why the eternal son became man. There's many reasons. Many reasons we can talk about why the incarnation. Why did God become flesh? But we can add this point to one of those reasons. That the eternal son assumes human flesh in order to manifest and to teach us about the father. The eternal son assumes human flesh in order to manifest and teach us about the father. You might say, well, big deal. The Old Testament prophets spoke of the Father. Didn't they manifest the Father? 
Didn't people before Christ's coming manifest the Father? What makes Christ's manifestation of the Father different from those who came before him? The answer, saints, is that the prophets spoke of what they hear. But Jesus knows the Father. The prophet said, thus saith the Lord. But Jesus never says, thus saith the Lord. Jesus speaks of what he knows. Not of what he has read. And not simply put what's been revealed to him, but what he knows. But also there's something to say about the superiority of Christ revealing the Father over and above the prophets. That is to say, through the teaching of the prophets, saints of God, Old Testament saints and those in the Old Testament, they came to know the Father as the Father of all creation. They came to know the Father as the Father of Israel. But through the teaching of Christ, the Father came to be known as the Father of an only Son, who is the eternal Son, Jesus Christ. That is the superiority of Christ manifesting the Father over and above the prophets manifesting the Father. That the one who he presents to you is the Father of one Son, one only Son, which is Jesus Christ himself. Let's quickly then think about Christ being the eternal word of the Father. Again, the Father speaks an eternal word that captures all of who he is. That word is the eternal Son of God. Saints of God, think about our own daily lives. Think about what words do for us. Essentially, words reveal what are in our hearts. Words reveal what are in our hearts. We can say words reveal and they manifest who we are. Right? They speak of what's in inner, in us. Words explain the speaker. Well, since Jesus Christ is the eternal word of the Father, when Christ speaks, when Christ acts, he is manifesting and explaining the speaker who he comes from, who is the Father. Again, if words manifest the speaker, right? If you were to ask me, tell me everything about yourself, I'm going to use words to describe myself. Jesus Christ, then, is the inner word of the Father. And in his teachings and in his actions, he is manifesting the speaker whom he comes from, who is his Father. This is not what Jesus says, saints, in John 17. As he is praying to the Father, what does he say? I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me. Out of the world, they were yours and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Here Christ says that my mission was to reveal, was to teach and explain you. Because in explaining you, Father, I explain me. Contemplating on this congregation, I couldn't help but see the kindness of our God in all of this. The kindness of our Lord in giving his only son for man in our salvation. We know that we can know God by creation. We can go out and observe the cosmos, look at the mountains. We can say that there is a God. All of what we see in creation leads us back to the first cause. And we can know certain things about God. We can know about God's simplicity. We can know about his immutability. We can know about many things concerning our God. However, what we have in creation, saints of God, is merely an external speaking of God. 
It's merely an external speaking. It is like a man whom others can observe and know by merely watching his actions. However, God goes beyond revealing himself by creation. The Father sends his Son, and Christ reveals all of who the Father is. Not just who the Father is by his effects. That's what creation does. It teaches us the Father by the Father's effects. But the Son teaches us who the Father is interiorly. He teaches us who the Father is. Aquinas says that the Son comes to publish the name of the Trinity. That Jesus Christ comes and he sets in stone. He reveals not just the one God, but the one God who is three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We come to know the Father then, saints of God, not just by merely observation through a telescope. We come to know the Father and who the Father is in its very essence through his Son, Jesus Christ. Saints of God, and this is the nature of friendship. Oh, one day we'll do a sermon on friendship. But this is the nature of friendship here. What is the nature of friendship? It's to tell each other secrets. It's for friends to tell their friends what's in their hearts. The thing that they hide from everyone else. The thing that they keep in the depths of their soul. That's what friends do. Well, saints of God, what does Christ call you? What does he say to you? No longer do I call you slaves. For a slave does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. But why does he call you friends? Why does he call you friends, though? He says, because all things that I have heard from my father, I have been made known to you. The nature of friendship, again, is to reveal secrets. It's to reveal the inner heart of who you are. Jesus says, you're my friend because I reveal to you who my father is. That's why you're a friend of Jesus, because he reveals to you what he doesn't reveal to others. The very nature, essence, the secrets, the mysteries of his father. I mean, we read this already in Colossians. He says, Paul says, that the wealth that comes from full assurance of understanding resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. That mystery has been revealed to you. Those secrets of God's divine plan of redemption has been revealed to you. Because you are a friend of Christ. Yes, you're a friend of Christ because he lays down his life for you. But you're a friend of Christ because he reveals what he knows to you. And what that means, saints of God, is what you know is more valuable than anything you ever materially possess. What you know, congregation, is more valuable than anything that we materially possess. That is why it's the right thing for those to suffer for all eternity. Because they are forfeiting, they are they are not, they are they are rejecting the most precious thing in the whole world, which is knowledge of Christ, knowledge of the Father, knowledge of the Spirit, who God is. We are friends of Christ. And as his friend, he reveals to us the Father. Why does he do so, congregation? Why does he do so in closing? Why does Christ reveal to us the Father? John 17, 3, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Why? So that you can know the Father and have eternal life. 
That is why he reveals and manifests the Father. That is why the, the Son assumes our nature to manifest his Heavenly Father. You might ask in closing, saints of God, <clears throat> how do I receive this wisdom? How do I receive this wisdom? Here's the gracious thing. That when you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the same wisdom that he has, specifically as man, that you participate in. That the Son shares his very wisdom with you. And then in the fullness of time, congregation, apart from that, you're given by the Holy Spirit the gift of wisdom. We'll talk about this in two weeks. You were given the gift of wisdom so that you can live, or rather, that you can know what God says, what you should do, but also you can act rightly and justly according to what God says. We read in 1 Corinthians 2.11, For who among people knows the thoughts of a person except the spirit of the person that is in them? In other words, how can you know you can't know what I'm thinking unless you're in me. Unless you open up my heart and soul and you can see what I'm thinking. Well, likewise, we can't know what the Father and who the Father is. The way in which we ought to. We can't know who the Son is, the way in which we ought to. Not in a way in which that leads to eternal life. And then St. Paul says, So also the thoughts of God no one knows, except the Spirit of God. Here's the great encouragement, saints of God. Are you saved today? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ today? Amen. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Amen. Now you can know the Father. Now you can know the Father. This is the great, as medieval theologians say, the great return back to the Father. That the ones who we were at one time distant, the Son comes, manifests the Father, the Spirit comes and publishes the Father's knowledge and name in our souls and leads us back to the one whom we have separated ourselves from. This is saints of God wisdom. I pray, saints of God, <clears throat> that you understand that this gift is more precious than silver and gold. And we will consider that uh, next time we meet together in the afternoon. Let's pray.